Hello and thank you so much for joining us here at Cardo Kids Cast. I'm your host Mel Shewitt, and today I'm joined by guest Barry Timms, author of Love Grows Everywhere. I just wanted to really get to that vulnerability that is associated with love or being loving. Feel the love in a close-knit family who grows plants and sells them in their local market and discover the types of love that exist in the many homes of their diverse community. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Barry Timms, author of Love Grows Everywhere. Hello, I'm Barry Timms and I'm the author of Love Grows Everywhere. Barry, this is one of the most beautiful books I've seen in a long time, and I'm so excited for people to get their hands on it. Can you tell me a little bit about where the idea for Love Grows Everywhere came from? Yeah, I can. Um, I wrote it, believe it or not, three years ago, and um, I've often found with my books that they tend to come, rather than having a sort of flash of inspiration they they tend to come when I set myself a, a brief in a way and I thought to myself oh maybe I'll maybe I'll write a love love theme book and it's something I have done before um, I've kind of done it to order before as an in-house writer for a publishing house where I've, I've written maybe two or three love theme books under a pseudonym and I was always very happy to do that and I really enjoyed doing it but I suppose if I put my hand on my heart, they were written with a very particular market and audience in mind and maybe didn't come from quite such a personal place. So I think I wanted to do it again, but, um, you know, just sort of seeing where I went when I was left to my own devices. So I set myself the brief and very, very quickly, the rhythm of the book, the kind of love grows everywhere, which is that quite sort of steady beat came into my head. Um, although it, it it started as the, the line was love lives everywhere, I think. And I think the, the metaphor that I was going to try and weave through the book was about, you know, sort of love being welcome in all kinds of homes all around the world. And I suppose it was a, a reference to the humanity in those homes. But uh, I, I sort of wrestled with that for a while. And um, the, the metaphor, because this book is very much, obviously, it's, it's, it's an obvious thing to say, but it's, it's built around a metaphor. That kind of metaphor of love living somewhere just, just didn't sit well. It just was making me write these really kind of clunky lines. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I can if I can make this work. Anyway, I, I changed tack at some point a month or two later, and I, I made it love grows everywhere, which makes the idea of love feel much more organic and maybe dynamic and it, it gave the the idea of the book a, a much more visual metaphor of plants and flowers and blossoming and you know sprouting and moving and becoming bigger and and then I knew I was on on, the, on a sort of much better path <laughs> and the book eventually got written. <laughs> I'm just I'm just floored I guess to hear that you conceived this book three years ago it feels like a pandemic book. It feels very, you know, communal and remembering that love grows everywhere and love exists everywhere. And so it's just fascinating to hear that you've had this idea in the back of your mind or you've been working on this idea for so long. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I mean, some of the reasons for its longer 
gestation, if you want to call it that, are just sort of almost like administrative. You know, I I, I didn't have a, a literary agent when I wrote the book and I went through the process of getting one and then, you know, then there's the next stage of submitting to a publisher and, and so on. So that 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 can take time, sometimes more time than you might imagine. But um, despite it being originally written before, you know, the, the pandemic was, you know, in anybody's minds, uh, it was in, in many ways the actual book itself was created during the lockdown. We we started working with um, Tisha Lee, the artist, in about December last year. I think that's when we really kind of kicked things off properly. So, yeah, you know, we were all sort of joining from on our, uh, you know, our Zoom call to talk about it, and it, it you know, it was probably different for Tisha because she lives in California, but definitely for me in, in, in London, in the UK, it felt very, very dark and locked down and, and grey. And so to, to talk about these kind of ideas and and especially for, for Tisha, the artist, to bring her Californian sunshine to it was a way of connecting with places that, you know, it was inconceivable to to visit. So, yeah, actually, yeah, the, 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 the pandemic thing sort of, is a part of it, even if it wasn't originally so. I love that. She brings her sunshine to the book. That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something earlier about it being kind of a personal a personal story. And I feel like a lot of your books tend to err on the side of being more personal. Is there a reason that uh, you choose to explore these sort of like more social and emotional topics? I guess... Writing picture books, um, it's not always obvious how technical they are because you've only got usually about 32 pages and maybe somewhere in the region of, I don't know, 600 words, maybe for a book of this kind, it's many less. I don't, I don't even think it's, I'm not even sure it's more than 300 words, actually. I can't yeah, remember. that sounds great. But, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a very technical process, a bit like, you know, writing a poem or a, not quite a haiku, but, you know, um, every word has to count and then when you're working with rhyme that adds a whole another part of the puzzle and you know when you're you know this this book I mean something we might talk about later is what's going on in the writing and what's going on in the pictures which is sort of connected but it's two different things um, so it has layers to it so when you're dealing with all of that you you, you, you kind of have to really really want to to do it and I suppose one of the motivating factors is to come from somewhere that feels authentic and genuine and I guess because we're human beings that is often an emotional place so maybe I don't know if that answers the question but it it maybe gets a little bit into that topic. Discover the lives of outstanding people from designers and artists to scientists and activists with Little People Big Dreams. With over 3.7 million copies sold worldwide, our Little People Big Dream series has 20 new titles releasing in 2021, including Michelle Obama, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Kamala Harris. To learn more about some of history's favorite characters and how they creatively triumphed over adversity, please visit littlepeoplebigdreams.com. Yeah, I think it kind of starts. So what do you you present these books on, again, sort of personal, very close to the heart subjects, specifically for Love Grows Everywhere, what do you hope kids are going to take away from this book? And why do you think a book like this is so valuable for young children? 
Oh, um, well, it's making me think of a conversation that came out of the, the making of the book when we were working on it visually. And one thing that I kept going back to um, was that I really wanted there to be a, a kind of a, a low point at some point in the story. I mean, you know, typically around sort of two thirds, three quarters of the way through, um, where I just wanted to really get to that vulnerability that is associated with love or being loving. And there's a there's a line um, towards the end of the book, I'm not sure if I'm going to quote it correctly, so, something like, if we're brave, perhaps we'll dare to show how much we really care. And um, there was no question of that line being taken out of the book, um, fortunately. But I really wanted, when we were looking at the the visuals, to to really be in that moment of like, am I going to dare to reach out to this person or is that just too risky? And how do I how do I kind of tool up to, to make that connection? So I suppose to, to loop it back to your question, um, I think it's I think it's important for kids to on some level understand that and to for us as writers, you know, storytellers, you know, parents reading the book to kind of acknowledge that, you know, there's a huge uh, there's a huge amount to be gained by by connecting with people, but as human beings, it, it, it does come at a, a risk and it's because it comes at a risk that it's such a precious thing to connect or to, to love or to be loving. So I guess that that would be one thing that would be really important that that children take from it, even if they only understand it in a rudimentary sense to begin with, that they at least um, begin to, to grapple with that and understand, you know, in a way, sort of what makes the world go round. I really, I feel like vulnerability or vulnerable is the word I was looking for earlier. You just, you capture that sort of like that human vulnerability so well. I'm glad to hear that. And I think, you know, much credit to, to Tisha as well, who, who, who somehow manages to, you know, with, with a very light touch to communicate that too in, in her paintings. Um, I was so delighted when uh, Quarto presented her to me as you know the potential illustrator for the book and I absolutely knew it was the right match and, and just couldn't wait to crack on. I feel like you yeah you you couldn't have done better with an illustrator. <laughs> You're absolutely perfect illustrator. And it's her debut book. It's her debut book as well, which is just unbelievable because she's just so so skilled and just seems like such a, a natural really for something like this. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, this is sort of a good segue. Let's talk about you and your author journey, because you you haven't always been an author. Um, how did you get into creating children's books? Well, um, oh, I'll try not, I'll try to do the potted version. So I left school and went off to study psychology, of all things, um, but was sort of a slightly at a crossroads when I did that because I also really enjoyed art and I kind of left behind my creativity a bit when I took that crossroads turn. Um, and then some way through my psychology degree, I really missed art and thought, hmm, did I make the wrong decision? But I finished my degree and then I went off and studied art. And during the process of studying art, I did like a work placement or whatever you would call it, um, like an internship 
at a publishing house uh, just because I was interested in, at the time, I was really interested in, you know, uh, paper mechanics, you know, pop-ups and lift the flaps and, and that kind of novelty publishing because uh, I just enjoyed the kind of tactile um, mechanics of it. Here, here. And <laughs> so I eventually, I eventually, when I finished my degree, I tried to get jobs in publishing houses as a designer because I'd come from the art place. But I found that quite difficult, um, maybe partly because I didn't really have a design training. I didn't have like, you know, the technical training of using certain software. Anyway, I kept plugging away and then I spotted an editorial uh, vacancy and applied for that and things just kind of clicked at that point and I think um, I got the job and I've been in children's publishing for about 20, 20 years and I guess the great thing about children's publishing especially if you're dealing with you know children up to the age of six or seven and maybe a little bit higher is it's so highly illustrated so it um, it ticks my sort of writing words language box which even though I never went off and studied English at degree level um, I guess I, I guess I have that because I like writing but it also um, satisfies my visual sense and you know that interplay between uh, words and pictures which I think is a, a key thing for anybody writing for this this age group. Absolutely what would be the sort of your key piece of advice for aspiring authors? Oh, uh, I think... It's like being on NPR, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, one thing that I often think about, and it doesn't, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't apply only to writing, is like if, if there's something you want to do, don't put up hurdles and think, well, I can only do that. If, like, you know, if... If you if if you want to be an actor, for example, don't don't um, I don't know why I'm changing tack and talking about acting, but but you know don't don't sort of think well it's you know I, I'm either going to be in Hollywood movies or nothing. Just just do it. You know, find your local amateur dramatic society and and do the acting. And and you know if if you really genuinely love it, then you'll just keep going on that that trajectory. Or you might just find it was an itch you wanted to scratch and you know, you do one play and actually you don't really like acting that much at all. And then you can focus on something else that might be more suited to you. And I think that sometimes when people aspire to do something, they almost like set the bar too high to begin with. And they think, oh, well, I'll, I'll you know, I'll start writing when I've done that course. And when I've, you know, got some really nice, nice set of pencils and writing paper or, you know, a particular bit of software, whatever it might be. And it's almost like putting off that, that, that moment when you're just going to start knuckling down and and doing it and I, I often think that you know just just do it in whatever way um is possible and then see what see what it says back to you and if it, if it takes you somewhere I mean there are other bits of advice I could give but that's that's one that comes to mind immediately is just just kind of roll up your sleeves and do, do the damn thing <laughs> yeah and I mean sort of along the same lines you know if you don't enjoy you think you want to be an actor and then you realize you don't enjoy acting there are so many other tangential positions and things to do around acting that you might discover something entirely new for sure you know and, and maybe it's a bit like when I thought I wanted to get into children's publishing and you know tried to be a designer and I was going to interviews and not getting the job and then I went in at the editor door and 
you know, 20 years later, here I still am editing books and now writing them too. So having been in in uh, children's publishing as an editor, you know, going up that ladder for nearly 20 years now, I, I yeah, started occasionally writing books in-house when we had like a gap on our list that we needed to fill. And, you know, somebody wanted to decided to rise to that challenge and it was just it's just something I got a taste for and then you know wanted to do in my spare time and you know now I'm now I'm sort of publishing or, or having my books published independently of being like an in-house editor slash writer under your own name which is very exciting yeah yeah well I want to thank you again so much for stopping by and talking to me I've got one last question for you that I ask everyone who stops by the podcast and that is what makes you love a book and just given our conversation I feel like I might know where this is headed but when you read a book what pulls you back to that book what makes you want to open a book I think for me um I really love a book when it opens the door onto somewhere I didn't even know I can go but at the same time, if it if it leaves me at the end feeling as if I know myself even better than I did before, then that's a really satisfying position to be in. And it's it's often a journey that I want to repeat. So, yeah, there's a good chance I would open those covers and do it all over again. Thank you again so much, Barry. This has been delightful. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. so much for listening to our chat with Barry Timms. Love Grows Everywhere is available for pre-order online and in bookstores and libraries worldwide, and it will be available this January 2022. We'd love to see you subscribe to Cardo Kids Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find all available episodes at anchor.fm slash and hey, if you're enjoying Cordo Kids Cast, we'd be grateful if you left a review so others can hear about it too. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for our theme music, Steve Roth for his promotional vocal stylings, Barry Timms for stopping by to talk to us, and of course you, the listener, for tuning in. Talk to you in 2022.